0: Jill here. You are listening to the HEED podcast and we have a special episode for you today. Instead of inviting a guest speaker to talk about one of the phases in the 5-step solution development process, we are joined by our very own HEED fellows. This is the first of four parts of the fellow segment for season 1 of the podcast. For those of you who are new to HEED, you might be wondering what the HEED fellowship is. It is a one-semester program wherein students take the HEED course to learn about various tools and concepts they can use to work on an actual social impact project. As of the moment, fellows only come from the University of the Philippines Diliman. But hopefully soon, we can also start opening it to other HEIs or higher education institutions, especially in the regional areas of the Philippines. The exciting thing about the fellowship is that students from various disciplines really come together to solve real world problems. We've had students from the College of Engineering, Science, Fine Arts, Architecture, School of Statistics, and even Business Administration. In this episode, you'll meet one of the four groups in the cohort, and they'll be sharing about two social enterprises that they interviewed, how these ventures started, current operations, challenges, aspirations, etc. Of course, we will end with a synthesis wherein each fellow will share insights that they gained from their interaction with these social entrepreneurs and how it might help them as they build their own venture this semester. So, without further ado, here they are. Hey, guys! Hi! Hi! Good
1: morning!
0: Good morning, Happy that you're here! Good morning! So, how are you guys? How are you feeling right now? Is this the first time you're doing a recording? How are you adjusting also to remote learning?
2: Me, ma'am, I'm a bit used to recording because I make song covers and also record for online performances, especially now that there's been a shift to online events because of the pandemic. But this one is got different approaches additional, and our group will be sharing information to a public through a podcast. So it's really exciting for me. Actually,
1: ma'am, regarding work, I find it hard shifting to online platform to do it and academic related learning. Since most of what I've been doing in the past few years, uh, in my in the academic industry, what I've been doing is based on empirical work. Such as experimentation. So it's really hard for me to approach things like this, but still it's a new way to do things in this time of the pandemic.
0: Right. So I can just imagine how you know how challenging it can be doing experiments during COVID nineteen. Yes. <laughs> <Really hard. laughs> and it's interesting, Diane. I didn't know you you do some covers. Do you have a YouTube channel or anything like that? Sokmen?
2: Yes, ma'am, I do. Oh, okay, <laughs> but I haven't plugged it, so
0: yeah. All right, okay. Later, towards the end of the show, maybe you can share that with our audience. So, before we dive into our topic, can you please introduce yourself? So, say your name, the program you're majoring in, and then uh, why you applied to the HEED Fellowship Program. Who wants to start?
3: Oh, hello. My name is Sandro. I'm taking up chemical engineering. Uh, Initially, I joined because I saw that the program has already produced multiple award-winning startups, so I wanted to learn more about the movement and how it worked.
0: Hi,
4: I'm Tonic from the College of Architecture. Uh, Through HEED, I wanted to demystify the realities of breaking into the Philippine startup scene.
2: I'm Diane, a BS materials engineering student, and I joined HEED because I wanted to be a part of humanitarian projects that aim to create and innovate things for the community. And I also wanted to learn from other people with different backgrounds as I continue with the course. Hello,
1: everyone. I'm Carlo, a materials engineering graduate student. And I'm pursuing HEED to explore ways on how to apply research into practice through startups.
5: Hello, I'm Pat from the College of Fine Arts. As an aspiring industrial designer, advocating for socially responsible designs, it was nor natural for me to gravitate to this program's pursuit course for humanitarian solutions for underserved communities.
0: Great! Thank you for introducing yourselves, everyone. So, um, let's get to the meat of the show. You interview do social enterprises. Can you tell us more about them? Who are the founders or who did you talk to, the backstory of the startup, and uh, what are they trying to do? What problem are they trying to address?
3: Uh, So I'll start. The first enterprise we interviewed is Audio Manufacturing, founded by Danielle Relieca. She told us that the goal of audio is to revolutionize the low-cost housing industry while also reducing our plastic wastes for a more affordable and sustainable house construction. They use this interlocking building system called Block Plus, which uses Lego-like bricks that they can easily stack together to form the house. Labor cost is a major factor in the price of housing. So by making house construction a lot simpler and easier, they can effectively make housing more affordable. They also manufacture these bricks from 90% upcycled plastics. They use wastes from our landfills, which makes it more sustainable. In our interview, Miss Dani shared a lot of insight on how they got to this idea, and how they are operating now.
4: Speaking with Miss Dani was so pleasant. Uh, she was able to marry her passion for the environment and housing solutions through her startup. Uh, initially, she had her eyes set on solving waste management problems, but after speaking with stakeholders, she realized the housing back in the Philippines and the gap for having sustainable and affordable materials in building them. This leads clearly into the vision, into their vision of revolutionizing the Philippine housing industry while reducing the plastic footprint.
0: Wow, thank you for that introduction to Odeo, uh, Tonic, and Sandro. Yeah, I've been following Odeo on Facebook and they've been really doing some amazing work in the past few months. Cool. So who's the second enterprise you talked to? Second enterprise, but
5: we talked with Ma'am Joyce of Kasambag, the startup revolving around a human-centered design of a child carrier in the events of a disaster. While talking to her, we found out that this project was very personal to her. And Ma'am Joyce and her team has integrated with the local communities here in the country and over time has developed a participatory carrier design. And of course, a relationship with the people. Apparently, after one year, MAM's Joy Startup has launched with three other programs: Kasapi, kasanga ng Pamilyang Filipino, and Kasamas, and all involving disaster risk reduction management seminars, services, and inclusive
2: mass. In addition to what Pat said. Kasambag's Child Carrier provides inclusion to children with disabilities by adhering to the universal design in such a way that it is usable by children with and without disabilities. Upcycling plastic is expensive, so is the collection of these plastics. So on sustainability, Kasambag supports communities by using locally available plastic waste and other materials. Lastly, in creating a startup, she recommended that we do not start with the statement, I want to create a startup or just simply generate an idea, but rather identify a concern or a problem by heart and know more about it. Be vulnerable about it. And hold on to it so that you're really grounded on what you really want to accomplish. Thank you for that insightful introduction,
0: Dayan and Pat for Kasambag. So these are really amazing startups who are doing their best to do impactful work. For our listeners, we encourage you to check out Odeo and Kasambag's website, which you can find on our show notes. Now, moving on. We've been discussing the five-step solution development process in class, so you learn, plan, design, realize, and sustain. Did you see how these steps were applied by Odeo and Kazambag in their operations as a startup? And can you cite some situations showing how they applied them?
4: During the interview, we actually tried to frame our questions for both Ms. Danny and Ms. Choice to walk us through how they were able to develop their respective startups at each phase. But interestingly, a common sentiment surfaced that even though in theory, the step before is a prerequisite of the next, it's a lot less linear in practice. With every roadblock or unexpected turn of events, each phase cycles back to itself. Although the reality of this seems disheartening and convoluted, another lesson can be drawn from how they both dealt with it. Despite all the setbacks, what keeps them centered is what got them interested in their startup to begin with, the advocacy they want to promote with a backbone of technical skills and a systemic approach to realize their vision.
3: Similar to the next point, Actually, I realized from both interviews that this development process isn't a direct and linear step-by-step method. It is more of a framework and a cycle, because so many things can change in between steps. So you always have to adapt, especially with the COVID pandemic. For example, in audio, their original intention before the pandemic was to just manufacture the bricks. They already had a partnership for this, But because of the pandemic, the partnership did not push through anymore. With this time, they went back to their learn phase and really listened to their clients' problems. And then they realized that they needed to be more involved in the construction of the houses as well, not just the manufacturing of the bricks. Now, they formed a coalition, the audio coalition, to get more people involved and to explore more meaningful partnerships. So plans change. So you have to adapt, even if it means going back to square one.
5: The same goes for Kasambag, especially when their program relies heavily on community integration at a time of pandemic. Fortunately, because of their earlier relations with them, the team can still learn to adjust or have adjusted to the new normal. Through the people of the community that they've formed relations with, they've connected with as well. As their co founder, who is currently within the area, hearing both enterprises share the experience, it's hard to ignore that these compromises and outside forces can really sway a project from its ideal timeline. Nothing is carved into a rock, but their businesses, their quickness in adopting to these, uh situations and replanning, taking proactive steps is where I see them applying to learning. The- planning, the realizing case
2: says all together. In addition to what um, Sandra said, this pandemic has really been a big challenge and it required adjustments to social enterprises. Like for example, in Kasambag, the original concept was to create and innovate child carriers that are especially useful during disasters. But along with it, they had an offshoot program like the CASA mask where they partnered with another community to develop masks for the deaf community and for children with disabilities since mom joyce is also a healthcare professional for children with disabilities however because of the necessity of facial masks in this time of pandemic they had to make adjustments on what is more urgent and needed and. That Mom Joyce added that the Kasamas program didn't actually derail the original plan. They just really had to create and push through first with the sub-program to address the current need of the community. Wow, a
0: lot of insights there. I'm happy that you really seem to get a lot from the interview with day and Kasambag. I'll just point out some highlights. I like what Tonic said as well as what Sandra pointed out that the five-step solution development process is a lot less linear in practice. The process is really more of a framework or a guide, and it just makes it easier to navigate the messy terrain of reality of the real world as you develop a solution. Also, Pat pointed out the importance of community integrations. And yes, I cannot agree more. Community is very important for startups or any business for that matter. Even if you're no longer a startup, if you're an established business, um, community is very important. And an example of this one is what Sandra mentioned, the Odeo Coalition. And then, um, let's see, you also pointed out, Pat, that there are compromises and uh, outside forces that can sway a project from its ideal timeline. And I think it's a good reminder of what Dylan emphasized in episode two of the podcast, wherein he said that even though we have a seemingly perfect plan on paper, remember the log frame we were doing in class, the results chain, life is inevitable. <laughs> you know. The unexpected happens. So it's important to remember that our plans just really serve as guide rails. They're not set in stone. We have to be agile. We need to be able to adapt when circumstances call for it. Last, I, I think I want to point out that Diane said that the say the Casamask program did not actually derail from the original plan. And this also circles back to what you mentioned earlier during the, uh, in the other s- section wherein Joyce said that in creating a startup, uh, she recommended that you don't start with a statement. I want to create a startup or just start with an idea, but you need to have that clear problem that you want to solve. So identify a concern that is close to your heart Because when the going gets tough, that purpose, that reason why you started in the first place, that's where you'll go back to. So the why is very important. All right. After interviewing Odeo and Kasambag, can you share with our listeners other insights you gained knowing their startup journey? Your team will be presenting a startup pitch by the end of the semester. So were there things you found helpful from your conversations with Danny and Joyce? What I
5: learned from talking to these amazing women, especially Mom Joyce and Mom Danius, is the importance of keeping yourself grounded, your personal advocacies, and the purpose of your enterprise. Negotiations will be made, compromises at bay, but at the end of the day, it always boils down to who it is for. No project in the world can change society overnight, but every project strives for even the smallest of societal changes can shed a light, a spotlight to those who need to be seen and heard.
0: Okay, thank you for that, Pat. And I like what you said that it boils down to who it is for. So like what we said earlier, a clear purpose is a must from the beginning. And also, I like that you emphasize that no project can change the world overnight. Uh, I remember what Julian said, similar about this, that when you start either a startup or a humanitarian engineering project, you don't aim to like save the world or <laughs> change it completely. So yeah, thank you for that. Who wants to go next?
3: Uh, I agree with Bob's that you really do need to be grounded to your advocacies. From our interviews, I saw that both Mom Dani and Mom Joyce had a close and personal connection to their advocacies. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity to talk to these two very inspirational women. In fact, Mom Joyce directly told us that having a startup is such a difficult journey. And what would really keep you going is your connection to your advocacy.
0: That is so true what you said, that having a startup is such a difficult journey just to share with you guys. So one of our mentors in our startup told us that running a business is 90% pain and 10% fun. When I first heard that, I was like, what? (laughs) I read through some articles and uh, one article said that one of the reasons why entrepreneurship is painful is because every good entrepreneur is trying to disrupt something and so, they're trying to change something. And we know that change is hard and painful sometimes. But when we go through that necessary pain, because, you know, entrepreneurs have this vision, we see something in the future, we have that deep seated belief that things will get better. Society will be better as we keep doing our work as entrepreneurs. So, yeah, thanks for that, Sandro. Who's next? So I told you guys a while ago that I came into
4: HEED hoping for a reality check on how to begin a startup, and this early on, I really got one. Uh, Passion and wanting to do good helps in laying the foundation of ideating for social entrepreneurship, but for this to grow into something substantial that has actual impact, our interviews confirm that it will need grit and tenacity. The pandemic was a curveball nobody expected nor wanted to happen. And even then, Miss Danny and Miss Joyce are still able to carry on and make do with what they have. I hope that once we get our potential startup up and running, we face the inevitable problems with the same relentlessness as them.
0: I'm happy, Tonic, that you said that you had that reality check already on how to begin a startup, so that's great. And uh, I also agree with what you said that you need grit and tenacity and relentlessness, no? So in entrepreneurship, they say that you need to fail fast and fail forward. So failure and a lot of it will really be a part of the picture. That's why grit, tenacity, relentlessness will really help an entrepreneur get back up on their feet after they fall. Great. Carla, you want to share next?
1: I think I appreciate how they practice principled entrepreneurship through allowing the target audience to grow with them, uh, especially as they present, as they present their advocacies and solutions on their present problems. An example of this is with the Kasambag, uh, where they immerse themselves to the target community and partnered th- with them to eliminate any possible alienation in terms of the supposed progress they will bring to the community. That said, Dak alone incorporates the human aspect which will boost the significance of any project you will introduce to them. And it goes with uh, any other projects na uh, any startup will endeavor in the future. Moreover, in terms of the cooperation with the LGU, I also think that the supposed hindrances is the slow rise of the social infrastructure in the country, as evident with the one of the interviews where they noted that the LGU is slow. Partnering with the local government is a must for impact sustainability as introduced by the startup and hopefully think that more and more LGUs should be open and will be open enough and the process will get more streamlined in the long run to allow impactful startups to deliver their solutions to the communities involved.
0: Thank you for that, Carlo. Yes, I love the, the term that you use, principled entrepreneurship. I think it emphasizes the importance of core values in business. And again, um, you said that principled entrepreneurship through allowing the target audience to grow with them. So there's that importance of having an engaged community around any social venture and yes, I also agree with the second point you said about the importance of also engaging the LGUs. Well, they're part of the community, right? They're part of the stakeholders. But yes, based on experience with, with Klup, who will be featured in another uh, fellow segment of the podcast, it was a challenge for that first HEED project to to uh, engage with the LGU. So yeah. All right. Last but not the least,
2: Diane. For me, ma'am, what I really appreciate is the empathy both to the team and the community that you are aiming to help, that they are aiming to help. On managing a team, it's with how they give importance to the people they're working with, having this human-centered approach. Like for Kasambag, the beauty of having a kamustahan that eventually leads to setting off expectations in this way, they are able to achieve more and thus be effective in working for their goal. And of course, the importance as well of immersing ourselves with a community whose concerns will be addressing or innovating, that as you come up with an idea to help, you also allow them to take part by asking and listening, because it is them who would, who would benefit from it, and that... We should be reminded also that we are not a solution without them. We must empower these communities that, and be able to build on what they have. Right. Very interesting thoughts you shared there.
0: I like the one you mentioned about setting expectations both within the team and within the community. It's crucial to have everyone on the same page when you're doing advocacy work and startups in general. No? And also, you pointed out the importance of allowing the community or the target audience not to take part by asking and listening. So this, I think, boils down to the concept of co-creation, which we discussed in episode three of the, the podcast. And co-creation really empowers people as well. Yeah, this word empower, it's also very ingrained in the startup I'm in. It's part of our vision statement. And I think it's a crucial aspect of many, if not all, advocacies. And speaking of advocacies, you've mentioned, I think all five of you (laughs) mentioned the word advocacy several times during the show. And I just want to caution or maybe share my thoughts about this. By now, you probably know I come from a very advocacy-based mindset when I entered the startup world six months ago. You know that I strongly advocate for heed, for education, being an educator myself, and now for research in the startup I'm in. And the challenge I experienced firsthand was balancing my advocacy mindset with the reality that I'm now running a business, meaning it needs to earn money in order for it to be sustainable. And I don't know if, if people also experience this, but for me, uh, especially at the beginning, it was so difficult and challenging to ask for money in return. But uh, that's the importance, I think, of uh, the importance and beauty of being in a team with diverse backgrounds. So I've been learning how to balance this with the help of our business development lead, who you'll meet in the the next episode on the realize and sustain phase. So I'm so we'll talk more about startups in the next episode. But for now, uh, just please remember that what you're creating is a business, a social enterprise. It's not purely uh, advocacy work. So you always need to have that uh, sustainability aspect in mind as well all right awesome um this has been really nice thank you very much for sharing Odeo and Kasambag with our listeners Um, before we wrap up we're going to have a lightning round the questions here are no longer related to heed it's just for fun and for people to get to know you better are you ready you can unmute yourselves now this is like (laughs) informal (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Yes, Alright. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. So first question, favorite ice cream flavor? Hmm.
3: I guess I'd choose cookies and cream. Even mm. if it's really cold, I would still eat ice cream if it's cookies and cream.
0: All right. <laughs> all right. Cookies and cream for Sandra. Um favorite childhood TV show. Hmm. Definitely
5: Phoenix and Ferb. I would say Avatar, but <laughs> as a nine, nine year old, in the earlier two thousands, it would be more feasible for me to make a one is to fifteen model of a roller coaster, a biodome or whatever project they've been doing every day, the whole summer's a series over holding a blowtorch or shooting a <laughs> water hose and trying to act as if I'm bending the elements.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely amazing. I love Avatar. Oh. I love Avatar. <laughs> but
5: I anyway, think, yeah, my penis and Perb had the biggest impact talaga with me choosing...
0: Industrial design?
5: I am now. Yeah, industrial design. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> I architecture, engineering, pero... Well, I'm here in industrial design and I'm really happy pa with
0: it. Yeah! Yay! Alright, next question. What are you watching right now? Say, Netflix, HBO, or wherever?
1: Uh, I've been watching gaming streams and lecture videos, pero last night I watched Queen's Gambit. It was so good.
0: Really? I and... thought, I really
1: thought that it was a real story, but it was from a book. But nevertheless, it, it deserves the 100% it got from uh, Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Oh, right. I'll check it out. I just saw the trailer, but I haven't watched it. It's and, really good,
1: ma'am. It's okay. Really good. I'll check that
0: out. And ang geeky, the one, Carlo, lecture videos.
1: <laughs> it, it, well, when you're in the, in the academia industry, learning never stops. Right. So. <laughs> That's good.
0: Okay. Last question If you could have a meeting with any person in the world, who would it be and why?
4: Right now, during the pandemic, nobody. (laughs) I've been trying my best to stay put for non-essential reasons since lockdown started in March. And I don't plan on breaking that now for anyone in the world okay. and until the government finally gets its act together i hope everyone does uh-huh. the same to make it
0: safer and safer for those who don't have a choice so awesome thank you very much for being here today carlo tonic sandro diane and pat
1: Thank you, ma'am. so much,
0: ma'am. You're always welcome. So before we actually say goodbye, is there anything you want to plug? Or do you want to give a shout-out to anyone?
5: I'd like to plug our small online food service, Mangantayon. So Mangantayon is Ilokano for Kain Tayo. It introduces a northern taste of home cooking from our family's Ilokano Palette. Just a background, our family comes from Cagayan Valley and Nueva Ecija. So we serve earthy flavors with mild spices that entice the Filipino spirit from one bite to a whole community. If you're around Fairview, Cousin City, send us a message po at mangantayon.ph. Yay! Yay! Mangantayon.ph.
0: One bite to a whole community. <laughs> All right. Um, who else wants to shout out or plug anything?
1: Dayan, the the is <laughs>
2: this is with this will be the first time I am plugging my YouTube channel. Wow. Oh and oh, this is so nice. I feel he'd, good about it. Thank you so much. <laughs> 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 Ayun, my YouTube channel is Diane The one, the one with the the girl holding a flower. That's me. Okay. Ayun, so hope you so you can subscribe.
0: All right, great. Thank you again, everyone. See you in class and stay safe, okay? Thank you. Thank you,
1: everyone. Thank, Thank you. you for listening. Thank you, man. Thanks, team. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in. You may subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that new episodes are delivered to you automatically. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you may write to us at he.ph@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Your feedback will help us improve the show. Again, this is Jill Manapat, and you've been listening to The Heat Podcast.